0: Good morning, all. Um, it's great to be here with you today. Um, and today I'm really going to talk about God's love and God's love of creation. But before I start, I want to introduce you to Orbissa. She comes on the screen. This is her on the screen. She's 35 and lives in Ethiopia with her children. She and her family work hard rearing goats and cattle to make a living. But in the past few years, nine of her ten cows have died, and half her goats. Because the rains aren't coming anymore. they used to, but droughts in the region are getting more and more severe. As the climate changes, it's pushing Obisus' family deeper into poverty. But in the Bible, Jesus tells us the most important commandments are to love God and to love our neighbours. Tackling the climate crisis is vital to both of these. We honour God by loving His creation, and we loving our global neighbours, who are hit first and are hit worst by what is now a climate emergency. And this year is critical. The UN climate talks in Glasgow in a month's time. This has to be one where the world speeds up its response to climate change. But today I will focus on what does the Bible tell us about God's love for creation? And how are we responding to God's will for the environment? What hope we find in Jesus? And what can we as individuals and a church do to make a difference? And our reading today beautifully read um, 104, Psalm 104, really demonstrates intimate knowledge of creation. The chance? Yeah, I just want to refer to one of these key passages. And the psalmist describes the beauty of creation by declaring how many of your works, Lord, in wisdom you made thee. The earth is full of your creatures. The author understood how creation works. They must have spent time observing and learning how all things fit together. And they're inspired to worship as a result. In verse 31 of the psalm it says, God rejoices in creation. The beauty and variety of all he has made brings God joy. Similarly, similarly in the New Testament, Jesus continually demonstrates his own understanding of creation. He describes issues that hinders the growth of crops. He knows how droughts can cause plants to wither, or how rocky ground prevents the development of roots. And even though he was a carpenter by trade, he knew the importance of nutritious soil for a bountiful harvest. Jesus had an intimate knowledge of creation. And this shouldn't be a surprise to us. In the Bible, it tells us all things were created by Jesus for Jesus. But Jesus shows us something else too. He teaches that not only does he have an intimate relationship with creation, but also we can learn about our Heavenly Father through it. Whether it's the relentless weeds, the character of birds, or the of a single mustard seed, time and time again Jesus points to the Father and the way he works through his creation. I don't know about you, but who here felt the difference in nature through lockdown? Less cars on the road, less aeroplanes in the sky. It seemed to me the garden came to life. I remember seeing butterflies in the garden I hadn't seen since a child and just staring in awe at them. I work in basically my shed at the end of the garden and I was on Zoom calls pretty much all day. And the amount of times I got comments to say, Can anyone hear the birds singing in the background? Because We've got a tree above my shed. It was resonating through Never have I felt closer to God's creation, I have in those last 18 At the start of the whole Bible, in the book of Genesis, in chapter two, God tells Adam and Eve, and he put them in their Garden of Eden and says, their role is to work it and take care of it. These are words of love. He asks us and tasks us to love his creation, just as Jesus does. So what's our role with creation? Is our role to dominate nature? Actually, the Oxford English Dictionary separates us from nature. It defines nature as all things excluding humans and creations of humans. Or is it that we are part of nature? Part of God's creation? And therefore we need to coexist with nature and play our role to love and look after. So how are we responding to God's call? Well, when we look at the world today, we see the many ways that we have damaged this beautiful gift that God has given us. The ways that we live, and work and consume have pushed creation to a breaking point. In Paul's letter to the church in Rome, we heard how creation is in bondage to decay, trapped in frustration and crying out for liberation. Whether it's plastic pollution littering the seas, or species going extinct at record rates, or the climate crisis making droughts, floods, storms more frequent more severe, with misuse and damage this beautiful gift from God, we're feeling some of the effects in the UK. But the impacts are hitting people in poverty like Orbisa, the hardest, and it's hard to grasp what that really means. It's big and it's abstract. So with that, I'd like to go back to Ibiza and play a little video just to give you more of that story.
1: Life is very challenging here. It hasn't rained for six months and I don't know when it will rain next. For many people around the world, the impact of climate change is devastating. In the north of Ethiopia, they used to expect rain up to four months a year, but now it rarely comes. People don't have enough water to survive. We have no food and are dependent on our livestock for our livelihood. Whenever there is no rainfall, our animals die as there is no grass or water. When it rains, I only need to walk five minutes to collect water, but these water sources are now dry. Every night, I walk for 10 hours to collect water from a lake. The length of the dry season is increasing. I worry about my children and my family. I feel worried whenever I think about the future. We are on course for global temperature rises that will put millions of lives at risk as extreme weather events such as droughts become more frequent, and it's the poorest who are hit the hardest. But we are at a turning point. Decisions are being made now about how we build back from coronavirus that will shape our economy, society, and climate for decades to come. As Christians, we have a vital role as we pray, speak out for change, and love our neighbors across the world through how we live. You can help turn the tide on climate change and build a better world for us all, including people like Orbisa. We
0: have a huge potential that has not been unleashed yet. We are facing a world that is forever changed, but that we have the capacity to build much better living conditions for our children, their children, and their children, Mm. if we only set our mind to it. Now, this may, for many, not feel like new news. We grow up with doubts in Ethiopia, but the message to underline is they're getting more frequent, more stronger, more severe, and more damaging every year. In the Bible, Jesus tells us the most important commandments are to love God and to love our neighbours. As we said at the start, tackling the climate crisis is one way to do both of these. We can honour God by protecting his creation, and we can demonstrate our love for our neighbours through also our global neighbours who are hit first and worst by what for them is now a climate emergency. Colossians 1, 19 to twenty says this: For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwelling, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. I just want to call out to reconcile to Himself all things, things on earth and things in heaven. Our world is broken but God is at work reconciling and restoring. Jesus values creation. He shows us how to. Uh, it reveals the love of the Father and brings restoration and healing, uniting everything back with God. The world is crying out, but God is at work, and we're invited to join him in a ministry of reconciliation,
1: reconciling people to their Father
0: and to his creation. This is part of the fullness of the gospel. It's not a side issue. So how do we respond? To answer that question, I want to turn to Esther in the Old Testament. In the face of a crisis, she responds with faith and courage. The Persian king makes plans to wipe out the Jews, but Esther's uncle, Mordecai, warns her about the plan. And Esther's response is remarkable. She says to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther teaches us that following Jesus requires us to speak up and that we should act in a foundation of Prayer. So, as a church, what can we do? Well, I invite you to do two things similar to what Esther did. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it with each other. And let's pray. And why is talking so important? Well, surveys show that whilst the majority of us do accept that climate change is changing, and we agree that our future generations are probably going to be hit worst and the hardest. None of us really think it affects us. So we don't tend to do that much about it. I'll relate my personal story. Two years ago, I was on a plane. We probably drank every day two bottles of water. We'd get around the table at dinner, etc. Like I drive a big four-by-four. Four. I'd watched the inconvenient truth and read about this and the other. I knew about it. But I wasn't doing anything about it. So let me just come back and say, but therefore is talking just a cop-out. And I just want to talk about dominoes. And on the screen you see a small chain of dominoes. But it just takes the first one to trigger the second one, to trigger the third one. This study that you see here was recently released, and it found that the simple act of talking about climate change instigates a true positive feedback effect. Quite simply, the more we talk about it, the more we know. The more we know, the more concerned we are. The more concerned we are, the more likely we continue to talk and act. So let me come back to my story. Two years ago, coming up to the general election, and it was my eldest daughter's first time to vote we thought, let's let's chat about what matters to my kids, my three kids, at dinner. But really, there was only one topic that came to the table. And it wasn't just the topic of climate change. What stood out to me was their pure fear for their future. It wasn't concern, it was genuine fear, and they didn't know what to do about it. And this drove my concern. So we talked about it more, and as a family, we took actions. We literally cut our plastic footprint almost right down. We gave up red meat from it. We changed energy providers. We started to take small steps that were that first domino in our family. And here I am, talking about something that I was aware of, but not passionately engaged with two years later. But all started with that simple act Talking about. Let me give another story I had. Only a few months ago, I'm talking to I don't know if she's here, Amy in the church, and she told me about an app that I can go into that app and interact in the app, and as a consequence, it will plant a tree every day. And since that time, I have planted a tree every day, and that I can offset against my carbon footprint, and I have been carbon neutral since. Again, another conversation, talking about it, rose my awareness of it, led to action. Action makes a difference. So as we said at the start, the UK is hosting the UN's climate talks in Glasgow in November. We are at a turning point in history. And the decisions we make now will affect our economy, our society and our climate for decades together. And the church has a vital role in making this happen. Through prayer and speaking out for change, we can love our neighbors across the world and build a world that works for everyone. Now, if you want to know more, I'm gonna put up on the screen um, just a link for Tearfund. Um, and Tearfund have been giving a lot of support to us in, in, in building our eco-position. And you can go here and register to find out more information. But lastly, I want to talk about prayer. And let's put climate change, the COP26, and the leaders who are going to make decisions into our daily prayer in this month as we lead up to those talks in November. And if I can, just end in prayer now. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of justice. We thank you that you already know obissa and her family, and all of those already impacted by climate change. Jesus, we're sorry for the ways we've damaged your creation. Help us to make the changes in our own lives to love our global neighbours as well. Holy Spirit, would you stir the hearts and members of our government and those in attendance for the COP26. Guide them in all their decision-making and inspire them to protect the most vulnerable